Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, right now, will you join me in uh, welcoming our other locations right now, Orange Park and Julington Creek and anyone who's watching online. Glad to have you guys with us. It's a, it's a great start to the new year. Come on, you're, you're batting a thousand church attendance right now, so that's great. Uh, let's, let's keep that up uh, the remainder of the year, but we're really honored to have you. And uh, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, uh, my name's Clay and I serve as one of the, the teaching pastors on the team here at Celebration. And uh, it's gonna be a great day and truly honored that you would put God first um, and we're, we're excited that you would do that on the first Sunday of the year. We're glad that you're here. Whoever you came with, if you were invited to church today, maybe you've never been, uh, but you, you know, it's like, hey, new year, new me kind of thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start going to church. Whoever invited you to church, I just want you to look at them and just say hello again to your best friend. Like that's your best friend right there. If they're gonna extend an invitation for you to come into God's house and really have a great time with us this morning. And so, uh, so we love you and we're really honored that you're here. Um, Pastor Stovall wanted me to remind everyone he's going to be bringing the word uh, next week. He's going to be with us next Sunday. And uh, so we're going to, we always love every time our senior pastor gets to share with us. So he's going to be back in pulpit next Sunday. But this coming Wednesday is our first uh, Revival Wednesday service of the year. Pastor Tim Timberlake is going to be preaching this Wednesday. So make sure uh, you're here. And uh, first Wednesdays are great because all of our locations come here uh, to the arena. And uh, so, the, you know, it's just great family time. The place is filled. Man, it's just awesome worship, great teaching, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, make sure you come out double dip. Come on, where are my double dippers in a week? Who's my Sunday and Wednesday crowd? I'm just saying there's a double portion there. That's all I'm saying. And so, uh, so come and get some of that. But Wednesday's gonna be great. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, um, it was a great privilege when I was asked to preach the first Sunday of the year. Uh, that is exciting to kick the year off and so I'm really honored by that, that uh, Pastor Stovall and Pastor Tim would have asked me uh, to do that. And so uh, I have a, a message here that uh, for the next 25 minutes and 50 seconds, uh, I ate up on my clock down there on the ground. Um, but uh, I, God, some, some messages, let's, let me say this, some messages uh, for those of us who are preachers and teachers, sometimes the Lord gives you something and, uh, and it was like really like, like sometimes like God gives you a message on Saturday and he's like, share with the people tomorrow, you know? And you're like, okay. Um, sometimes you've been sitting on something for a while uh, and you haven't really felt like God gave you the green light to share it. This is one of those, like I've been sitting on this for a while. Uh, the Lord has showed me this uh, a, a long time ago. It kind of sat in like my, my desktop folder of message ideas and, and revelation that God showed me. But I felt like it was very purposeful uh, for us as we start a brand new year and a brand new decade together. And so you can follow along in Luke chapter five. It'll be on the screen uh, to the right and to the left. It says this, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, let me just pause right here, ask a question to the crowd and audience this morning. If they're washing their nets, are they about to start fishing or are they finished? They're finished, they're done. Washing their nets, they're, they're, they're done. Isn't it interesting though that oftentimes when you think you're done, Jesus is just getting started? 
Like sometimes what you perceive as an ending is in fact only the beginning of what God wants to do in your circumstance and situation. And so here these gentlemen are, they're washing their nets, but, but Jesus actually has more in store for this particular day with this particular group of men. And so he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who we know as Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Peter, put out into deep water. Everyone say deep water. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I love that Jesus says deep water. It alludes to the fact that they were in at that time shallow water. It's like Jesus is saying, if you want what I'm about to give you, you gotta go where you currently are not. You gotta step out into deep water. At the beginning of a year, I, I just begin to think about this for my own life I, and, and for those of us here. I think some of us, if we were honest with ourselves, we've been living at like a shallow level maybe of devotion and loyalty, but the word for you in this brand new decade and this brand new year is if you wanna experience more of God that you maybe perhaps never have before, you gotta go where you currently haven't been. It's almost like you've been, you've been sitting in the shallows of this relationship with Jesus. It's a, it's a shallow level of loyalty. It's a shallow level of devotion to him. And God is saying, I certainly have more for you and your spouse and your kids and your family, but you ain't gonna get it in the shallows. And if you wanna experience more, you gotta launch out into deep water. Deep water faith, deep water Loyalty, right? We've maybe heard it said before like this, to have what you've never had, you gotta do what you've never done. Maybe that's a word for some of us this year. You want this year to look different than last year. You want this year to look different than 2018 and 17 and 16. And I, I don't know, you want it to look different, then perhaps you gotta do some things different this year. I love what Pastor Stovall says. He says it a lot at the beginning of the year. This can be your best year ever if it is your best year spiritually. And if you will take the risk, if you will see, here's what I've learned is sometimes what's, what's, what, what is fearful about the deep water is that it's unknown. It's untried, it's unproven. You know what I found is that God is often in the untried, the unknown and the unproven. And if this is a year that you can just get resolution in your heart to say, I'm just gonna launch out into deep loyalty this year. I'm just gonna launch out into deep devotion, deep love for God this year. I'm willing uh, to bet that you're gonna catch something that you've never caught before. And so Simon answered him after Jesus tells him to launch out. And he says, master, we've worked hard. Another version says toiled. We've toiled all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we'll let down the nets. Now, let's be real. Peter is probably thinking right here. He's like, okay, carpenter. Like, <laughs> trying to tell us pro-fishermen, right, what to do. Like, we've been out here all night, bro. Like, we ain't caught nothing. But you know what? Just because you, you ask, sure, what I got to lose. You know what I mean? And, and so they go ahead and they do this. I thought about this. Peter probably thinks he's being interrupted. It's kind of like an interruption. You know what I've learned though in serving Jesus? Oftentimes what you perceive as an interruption is actually an interweaving for your destiny and what he has for you. And, and, and the reason some people never feel like God is using their life and they're never really getting used the way they wanna get used is because they're not willing to be interrupted. 
I don't have time to preach that message today, but the fact of the matter is, is we live in the most convenient seeking society that has ever walked the face of the earth. People don't wanna be interrupted. You're never gonna really fully be able to be used by God the way he desires to use you if you won't let him interrupt you from time to time. I, I pray that the declaration of our heart this year is God interrupt me. Interrupt me. If you'll let God interrupt your life, there's a good chance you're gonna, you're gonna find yourself in a great interweaving that he desires for you and, and, and your destiny and your purpose is gonna flow out of some of those interruptions. Lord, interrupt my life. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. And this is the part I really wanna focus in on, this last sentence right here in verse 11. They left, what? Everything. They left everything and they followed him. If you wanna take some notes, we don't have much time left, so I'm gonna have to move through this quickly. But if you wanna take some notes, I've just entitled this message, Our First Love. The first Sunday of the year, it's important that we know who is our first love. Why don't we bow our heads and pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the Bible is not like any other book on our shelves at home because it's living, it's inspired, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I pray that we would lean in this morning. I pray that we would see things on the pages of scripture that maybe we've never seen before, that you would reveal things to us that we've never known before. God, that we would leave better than we came. And as always, God, I pray that we would not just be hearers only, let us be doers of your word. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Our first love. Um, let me ask a, a question this morning and, and see if this scenario has ever happened uh, to anyone else out there. Have you ever been in your house uh, and, and you've maybe been in one particular room and you've just kind of, you're, you're, you're sitting around, maybe you're watching some television, you're doing whatever. And, and then all of a sudden you have this idea, you, something strikes your mind. And, and, and so you get up from one place and you walk into another room of your house. But upon arriving to the other room, you completely forgot why you went there in the first place. Okay, I'm not alone. Some would say it's a sign of age. I don't, I'm just kidding. Um, but I bet, but that, that's happened to me. Like sometimes you get up, you go to the other room, right? You go to the kitchen, you get there, you completely forgot. Why do I even come in here? I don't even know why I'm here, right? It happened to me the other day, right? I'm 34 years old. Apparently I'm losing my mind. And I, I got up from one room. I went into the kitchen. Upon arriving into the kitchen, I did not know why I even went in there, right? but I saw some cookies on the counter. So you know, I had some, as I always say, if you forget why you go into the kitchen, at least have some carbs while you're there. So, right? I, I, I did not, truthfully, I don't, to this day, I don't remember why I got up and went into the kitchen, right? But, but think about this idea, right? Whatever got you up from your original place was so powerful so necessary, so, so in the moment and timely, it physically made you move spaces. 
But upon arriving in the new location, something along the way, something between point A and point B, like your, something caught your mind's attention. And when you got to the new location, you just completely forgot what you were doing there in the first place. I don't even know why, why I'm here. It's an interesting thing that happens. Obviously, it seems like it happens to many of us from time to time. Something else caught your mind's attention. Listen, church, Luke 5 is a little like that. As we examine this first interaction with Jesus, Peter, some of these disciples, truthfully, Luke chapter five, if I can just be honest right here, it's a frustrating passage for me because I'm a both and kind of guy. Anybody like that? I'm not an either or type person. I'm a both and type. You come to me, you know, we're going to Chick-fil-A. You're like, Clay, do you want chicken nuggets or a chicken sandwich? I want both. Can I just get both? You're like, hey, like, you know, maybe it's my birthday or something. And Beth's like, hey, do you want to buy this or do you want to buy that? Can I just get both? <laughs> like, that's kind of how I like to roll. It's both and. Right, Clay, do you want to play golf on Friday or Saturday? Chris Brooks, I want to play on both days. That's like, I want to play on both. I'm a both and kind of guy. So, so this passage of scripture is really frustrating. When I take note of Peter, who is by profession a fisherman, who has lived his entire life for the thrill of catching fish. And here he is just walking away from the greatest catch of fish that he has ever caught. I have to ask myself the question, what on earth is going on? I, I wish I could interject with my both and personality and say, hey, hey guys, uh, hey, but before we go and follow this great rabbi, hey, Jesus, how you doing, man? It's great to meet you. Like, like, do you think maybe we could like sell the fish and follow Jesus? Like, this is a lot of money right here. I mean, this is like, this is our, our salaries and bonuses and this, this, we could stir up some revenue. Like, at least let us sell it to the partners. Like, or somebody like, Jesus, we love you. We wanna come in. Can we do both? Can we do both? Represents a lot of revenue right here, Jesus. But the Bible says they left everything. They left everything and followed Jesus. Imagine this church. I don't, I don't know if you need to close your eyes for this one, but imagine the greatest thing that you could ever conceive happening, like uh, uh, perceive, like imagine the greatest thing happening to you and it happens and you just walk away from it. Like, like it's in your rear view mirror, really? Really? They left everything and followed Jesus. Church, this should tell us something about how beautiful and captivating and compelling Jesus really is. That Peter is so captured and compelled by what he saw in Jesus just in a brief moment that he apparently does not care anymore about what has consumed his life for years. It's like he hits the lottery. It is jackpot day down at the shore and he apparently doesn't even care anymore based on what he has now seen in this man Jesus, he is so compelled. Jesus is so beautiful. Peter, he has loved other things. I mean, he loved fishing. There's a good chance that fishing ran in the family line and he, he loved it. But, but like now after this moment with Jesus, it's as if a new love, a greater love, or should I say a first love has now come into focus 
so much so that everything else he has cared about up to this point just pales in comparison to Jesus. They left everything and they followed him. It reminded me of that old hymn for those of us who grew up in church. I don't know if you remember the old hymn and the line went like this. uh, The things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Sometimes when you have a moment like this with Jesus, the thing that you thought life was all about, the things that were totally consuming you, but yet now you behold Jesus in this brand new genuine encounter type way. It's like once you see him, you realize not just what life is truly about, but who life is. And so back to the story, Peter, you've waited your whole life for this catch. Like, Peter, you couldn't imagine a better day better than the one that you're having right now. And now you're just walking away from it. I wrote this down. I think it'll come up on the screen as I was just really pondering this message. I believe this, church. I believe a sign of spiritual maturity is when you can start living now like you're already in heaven. And in heaven, the value system is centered around Jesus. When you finally see him, you'll have no problem walking away from things that you've spent your whole life trying to attain because you found something now that is more marvelous, more precious, that it has now eclipsed your previous passion. Thought about this and I wrote this down. When God gives you a sense of purpose in this life, you are ruined for anything else. You're ruined for anything else. And that's what happened to Peter in this moment. Jesus looks at him. Jesus basically like, Peter, I know you've been fishing for fish, but you go fish for men now. He puts this new purpose in Peter's life. And and Peter probably in that moment, boy, he's filled with purpose. He's filled with with, uh, expectation and faith. And there's this new sense of, of being that comes inside of him. He can't go back to just fishing for fish anymore because he's now encountered something way deeper than that. A new purpose has filled his life. Man, there have been, can I just be honest? Can I just be honest preacher up here today? I, I've been in vocational ministry since 2006. And, and in, that, in that year's span, there have been moments where sometimes I've been like, I just want to pack it up and do something else. You know what I mean? I can make more money doing something else. Maybe I have less stress doing something else, less pressure doing something. I, I don't know. There have been moments when I felt like throwing in the towel. The only problem is, is this was the purpose. And when you have a sense of purpose, you're ruined for anything else. If I were to try to do anything else, I, I, there would be no fulfillment there. There'd be no joy there. That's what God gives when he gives purpose into our life. And so Peter, in this moment, he's catching a brand new purpose for his life. You know, the Bible does a really good job at illustrating this principle and a couple other, uh, and a couple other scriptures. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 12, we don't have time to read it, but there's this dinner party that's happening and Mary and Martha are there. There's this dinner party, John chapter 12, and, uh, and Mary, Jesus is reclining with some of the other guys and Mary goes into the other room and the Bible says she takes this, this, this precious oil, this precious perfume, and she comes out here to where Jesus is reclining. She gets down on her hands and knees and she breaks it open, pours it on his feet and washes his feet with her hair. And in that moment, One of the other disciples looks at her and he goes, Mary, what are you doing? Mary, what is wrong with you? The Bible says this perfume, it would have been worth a year's wages. There's a good chance this was the most valuable, expensive thing that Mary had in her entire house. 
Now, what's interesting is we all kind of understand this because like, let, think about it like this. If someone comes over to your house, you're giving them the tour of the home and stuff like that. Most of us, we always have that one thing in the house that we're really proud of. Maybe it was a, a renovation thing that you did, or maybe it was a gift or an heirloom that's been passed down. And, and whenever you get to that certain thing in the house, like you make sure to take a moment and be like, oh yeah, and you know, this is my special thing that I have right here and it's really cool and this is what it was. Like we all have that thing in our house that we like to show off. This was that thing for Mary. Like it was like her most prized possession. And now here she is just wasting it on the feet of Jesus. And the disciple looks and, and says, what are you doing, Mary? That's, that's expensive. Mary, that is really, really valuable. Why are, you, why are you wasting it like that? Do you not care about that anymore? I would imagine if Mary could respond, she might respond and, and, and say, well, no, I mean, I, I, I did care about it. I loved it. It was, it was like my thing, my special thing, and I really valued it. But you know, now, in light of him, it's as if I have forgotten it. It's like going from room to room, but on the way there, you just completely forgot why you were there in the first place. It's as if I have forgotten it. The Bible tells us another story in Luke chapter 19 about a man named Zacchaeus. Gives us a little bit of background about Zacchaeus. He was a man who had wealth, enjoyed wealth, did a lot of things, sometimes maybe a little shady to get more wealth right? He hears that Jesus is coming to town. You know the story. He runs ahead of the crowd, climbs a tree. The Bible says he's a short man, climbs a tree so that he could see Jesus. And then all of a sudden, as Jesus is passing, he looks at Zacchaeus. He says, hey man, I want to go to your house for dinner. Zacchaeus is like, shoot. Yeah, this is awesome, right? Puts out the best meal he can. I mean, Lord knows he could afford it, right? Gets the best stuff. Jesus comes over. But what does the Bible tell us? In one dinner party with Jesus, and yet this man that has lived his entire life to gain wealth is now saying things like, I'll give it all away. You'll do what? Like just last week, you were, you were doing some shady business to, to, to kind of get more. And now you're saying you're going to give it all away. Like what happened to that dinner party? But church, this story of Peter and that example of Mary and Zacchaeus, it should tell us something about how beautiful and captivating and compelling Jesus really is. That here at the beginning of this year, what, what I believe will happen is if you can just get back into that relationship, get back into that strong devotion and love for him, if he will become your first love again, then what I believe happens is everything else that you have been so consumed with, all of your worries and cares and desires and the things of this world that have kept you up at night and that you have given years to finding and gaining all of that stuff, it's as if you have forgotten it. Because now Jesus has come back into focus and everything else just seems to pale in comparison to who he is and what he is and all that he is capable of. He is our first love. I wrote this down. Imagine living a life where the things of this world have no hold on you. They don't decide whether you're happy or sad. They don't decide whether you're content or in want. 
because I have found the true treasure of my heart now in the person of Jesus. He is my first love. Truth be told, if you have Jesus and nothing else, you have everything. If you have him and nothing else, you have everything. I thought about this. I don't wanna be the guy that gets to heaven, looks at Jesus and goes, really? Really? You were this beautiful? You were this marvelous? You were this magnificent and fantastic and yet I spent the years of my life consumed with wanting other things and loving other things more all the while this was you? I wanna be the person who can live like he is my true treasure now. And what happens is if you can do that now, if he'll remain your first love now, what'll happen is you'll pass into eternity and you won't even skip a beat because your heart's already been prepared for the true treasure. Is Jesus your first love? That's the question today. Brand new year. First Sunday of the year, is Jesus your first love? Or if you were honest with yourself, has there been other loves that have gained the top priority in your life? Because today we can leave having our priorities straight again. Is Jesus your first love? I love what King David says in Psalm 27. He says that there's really only one thing that he cares about in life. Psalm 27, verse four, he says this, one thing I have desired of the Lord, one thing I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Church, I pray that Jesus becomes so real to you that your love for him supersedes anything else in this life, that you begin to forget what you even cared about before him because nothing can compare to him. He is our first love. And so as we close and the, and the band might get ready to come up in just a second, I wanna turn your attention to Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two. In this part of Revelation, we see that the spirit of God, obviously John is the writer and the spirit of God is, is inspiring John to write uh, these things. But, but Jesus is speaking right here and Jesus is writing a letter to, to these churches that are in the earth. And we come here to Revelation chapter two and he's writing a letter to one of these churches here at Ephesus. And it says this, this is the words of Jesus. He's speaking through John, the writer, but these are the words of Jesus right here to this church. It's a body of believers, just like you and I, beating hearts, breathing oxygen, body of believers, okay? He says this, I know all the things you do. I've seen all your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but they're not. You've discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But watch what he says in verse four. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me and you don't love each other like you did at first. Look, another verse says, remember how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So, so Jesus, he, he starts off this letter. He has a lot of good things to say about this church. I mean, these people were doing a lot of good stuff, right? That, they, they're doing a lot of great stuff, but then he finally gets around to this moment where he says, but if I can be honest, there's kind of this one thing and it's kind of a big thing that you've kind of gotten a little slack on. I wanna bring it to your attention because it's 
pretty significant. You don't love me like you used to. You're doing a lot of great stuff. I mean, you're calling out false prophets. You're even suffering for me and you're not even quitting. You have endurance. You're suffering for my name and, and I commend you for that. But truthfully, you just don't love me like you used to. Not only that, you don't even love each other like you used to love each other. There's a love problem going on here. I'm not your first love anymore. Notice what he says as he tries to help them remedy this situation about love. In verse five, Jesus says, do the works you did at first. Notice what he does not say. He does not say, feel the feelings you felt at first. That's not what he says. Do the works you did at first. So many people, when it comes to having an apathetic, sluggish relationship with God, maybe their love for him has grown cold. A lot of people, they just sit, away, sit around and, and they're just waiting to feel something different. I'm just gonna sit, I'm gonna wait. And when I feel it, then I'll really dive back in. When I feel it, then I'll really get excited again. And, and I, I look, preacher, I really wanna love God first and supremely again. And this year, I'm just kind of waiting to feel it. Maybe I'll feel it towards the end of the month after the fact. And when I feel it, I'll jump back in. Jesus doesn't say, feel what you felt at first. He says, do what you did. Can I be honest with you about our feelings? Sometimes I don't feel like going to work. Sorry, Pastor Chris, sometimes just. Sometimes I feel like going to work. Sometimes I don't feel like working out, obviously, right? Sometimes I don't feel like eating healthy. I don't feel like being nice to people. Sometimes I don't feel like doing yard work. I don't feel like cleaning the house. Sometimes I don't feel like fixing stuff when it breaks. We do things all the time in our regular, ordinary life, even when we don't feel it. But then all of a sudden it gets to this relationship and deepening of our love with God. And the first thing we wanna say is, I don't really feel it. I'm just waiting to, to feel When I feel it, I'll jump back in. Listen to me, church. Love is not a feeling, it's a focus. Love isn't a feeling, it's a focus. So many in our generation would say, I'll love God first and supremely when I feel it. That is incorrect. No, sir, you will love God first and supremely when he becomes your focus. When he becomes your emphasis, your attention, your concentration, your motivation, your heart. And right here in this moment, as Jesus counsels his church and his body of believers in Ephesus, he helps them and he gives them three ways to remedy their lost love for God. And he's, and he's helping us still today in 2020. He's giving these instructions to us as well. He says three things and they'll come up on the screen and then we're gonna pray. The first thing he says is this. He says, you gotta remember, if you have lost love for God, if he is not your first love, if your love for him has truthfully gone cold, you gotta remember, remember. I wrote some things down. Do you remember when God first awakened your soul? Do you remember that moment? I don't know where you were, if it was in a service or someone led you to Jesus, but do you remember that moment? Do you remember the excitement you had when he pulled you out of darkness? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was to go from being an orphan to now a son and a daughter and an heir of righteousness? Do you remember that moment? 
Do you remember perhaps a day when, when you used to run to God in prayer, not because it was just some daily routine that you needed to check off your list, but the reason you love to run to Him in prayer is because you knew that your great love was waiting for you there? Do you remember moments like that? You used to love to pray. You prayed all the time. You couldn't wait to get to that prayer place. Do you remember? You remember moments when you used to just sing and worship to God by yourself when no one else was around? Your voice was horrible, but he didn't mind. And you would just sing and you would just worship, getting ready in the morning, driving in the car, and you would just crank it. And you would you'd pull up to the red light and the person next to you is looking at you like you're crazy. You know I mean? You didn't care what anybody thought. You were just singing because you were so in love with the God that saved you. Do you remember those moments? He says, remember, remember. The second thing he encourages us to do if your love has gone cold is he says, repent, repent. Tell him you've grown cold. Tell him you've entertained other loves. Repent to God for not loving him like he deserves. And can I just say this? A lot of people, they're, they're kind of scared of repentance. They're kind of scared and timid to approach him. Listen, there ain't nothing you're gonna say that he doesn't already know. You might as well just say it. He knows it all anyway. It's only gonna help you to just say it and confess it. God, I have not loved you like I need to. Other things have taken my love more than you. And so Lord, I repent to you right now. I want you to be my first love. So much so that everything else that I have ever been worried and caught up in just pales in comparison. It's as if I have forgotten it. And then the last thing he encourages us to do is return, return. It's a call to action. It's a call to return to the habits of grace. And Jude one twenty one. it is a command to keep ourselves in the love of God. So I wrote this down as a, as a question, as we all get ready to leave. What makes your heart sing for Jesus? What is it perhaps that you don't do anymore, but maybe you used to do or, or, or heard of an, and, and, and like when you used to do that thing, like that, that's where you were in your sweet spot. Like there was moments for me when we were living in Georgia, I would just go into the front room of our house. I would turn worship music on and I would just pray. And like that, that was it for me. In those moments, man, I felt the spirit of God. My love for him would be increased. And it was just a special moment. He and I, as I was worshiping in the front room of our house, I've heard Pastor John Wyatt talk about going to the beach and just man, doing his devotion at the beach. And that's where he really feels encouraged in the Lord. And he, like what? Whatever it is for you that makes your heart sing for Jesus, you better prioritize it in this season. You better get back to it. You better return to some of those things that just build your faith, increase your love for Him. Return to that. Because the truth is the door's not locked and your story's not over. And here we are in 2020, it's a brand new year and God has given you more breath in your lungs and life in your body so that you might use it to seek Him and to wait on Him and to call out to Him. And just like that prodigal in the story of the prodigal son, listen to me, if you will just show yourself on the horizon, the Father is waiting to run to you. If you'll just show yourself, if you'll just return, let him see you draw near to God. What does he do? Draws near to us. 
Remember, repent, just tell them. Just tell them, just confess it. And then return to those habits that increase your love and faith for him, amen? Amen, why don't we stand to our feet real quick? I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna invite Pastor Petey to come up and we're gonna continue to worship God in the area of our giving. So I would just ask that everyone just be respectful. No one leave uh, right now until the conclusion of service. Pastor Petey has some instruction for us in just a second. He might even ask you to be seated again in just a moment. But as we just stand and honor this moment, why don't you just bow your head, close your eyes. I just wanna pray for people right now. In a moment of just privacy, Perhaps just all of our locations in Julington Creek, Orange Park, everyone that's with us as well. If you're here today and you realize your love has grown cold, it, it, it has. You do not love God supremely like you used to, but now your heart has been awakened again and, and you're like, Lord, be my first love. I need you to eclipse the things that I worry and care about so much in this world. God, I need you. Be my first love on this first Sunday this year. I'm getting back to you. I'm coming back into right relationship with you. If that's you, I just wanna pray for you that the Lord would just encourage you, that the Holy Spirit would uplift you and that relationship would just be red hot in 2020. If that's you, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Maybe just lift your hand. Just go ahead and just put your hand up. Every section, man, hands are raised. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that, Lord, you love us enough and, and, and that Revelation 2 passage shows that you love us enough to write to us as believers and, and help us in moments when we aren't loving you like we ought. Because you, you want a genuine love relationship with us. And, and so, Lord, for those of us right now, when we recognize that it has not been where it needs to be, Lord, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to us. I pray that, Lord, that we would remember moments in the past where things were better, God, that right now in this moment that we would repent. Just go ahead and do that right where you are. Just go ahead and tell him. Just, just repent. Just be open and honest about it because he stands ready to forgive. He stands ready to renew that relationship. God, we repent right now for not having loved you like you deserve. But Lord, this year is gonna be different. This year is gonna be new. This year is gonna be right. This year, our priorities are in place. God, you are number one. You stand at the top. You are our first love. And God, we return. We return to you. We return to the habits. Lord, if we've forgotten those things that help us throughout the week, just increase our love. Lord, show us again. Bring those things, those practical steps that we can take to, Lord, just let our love just bubble up and over, overwhelm. God, overflow in our life. We love you supremely and God we worship you and we thank you for this time together Lord this is going to be an awesome year it's going to be our best year spiritually in Jesus name we're going to deep water this year we're not going to stay in the shallows our love will not be shallow this year our love will deepen this year in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen thank you for tuning in to today's podcast for more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us please visit celebration.org 